Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? We're back with another episode of the podcast, and uh, Jordan, you want to tell them what the topic is today? Sure. We're going to be talking about the topic of, do you give up when things get tough? So, this could be in any sort of arena. I mean, it could be a personal situation. It could be something else um, that you encounter in life that whatever it is that makes you question why you follow Jesus, if you should continue following Jesus, is it worth doing the rhythms of following Jesus? Is it just better just to give up? Like that's kind of the gist of what we're talking about. And so we're going to at least share how we approach that. And hopefully that'll be a catalyst to help you who are watching and listening to think about it as well and process that as well. My guess is I think a lot more of us probably have this thought cross our mind more than we probably would admit on a regular basis. Um, Cause it can sound like a, like a wimpy, <laughs> a, you know, way or uh, I don't know. One, no one likes like to ad- Yeah. No one likes to admit it. Basically. No one likes to admit to their own weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. It makes us look weak. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Um, and we'd like to think that we're progressing probably in our, our relationship with with god and with jesus so yeah um, do you give up when things get tough that's kind of the ultimate question we're looking at um, do you want to go first or you want me to share my thoughts yes your turn no i'm just kidding um <laughs> well to be fair i mean you know i joke but I, I think sometimes um you know there are definitely times that i i do want to give up um but I think for me, what gets me through discouraging moments is really, it's not necessarily being immersed in the Word of God at those moments, but it's having already been in a pattern of reading the Word of God every single day. Because when you do that, and you see God's resume, and you compare the problems that He's solved to the problem that you're facing today, at least for me, there are always problems that are much more insignificant to the ones that he has um, resolved for his good and glorious purposes in the past. Um, so that that's one aspect that I go at it from. Uh, did you want to share something? Yeah, I think for me, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know that I've ever been to the point of just give up altogether. Like, I, I don't think that's where I've ever been before. I I would say for me, I get more to the point of frustrated. But because I'm a reflector and, a, and I have, you know, intellectual, like I think I the professor I had in grad school called me a radical in the realistic sense that like I want to figure something out to the tippy tip, tip, tip bottom of it. And so... When when I'm frustrated with something, like I want to like f- figure it out, whether I actually can or not, it's a whole different story. But so I think when things make my either relationship with God or like the dynamic of following Jesus, where when that's difficult, it's not a, I want to give up. It's more of a, I just want to lean into like, well, then how do I fix it, or how do I how do how do I get past that or what am I not seeing or something like that? And so it usually sends me on some kind of journey like that. 
Um, but it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily remove the emotions of it being hard or difficult or frustrating, but that's typically how I kind of lean into it. And you touched on this already of the idea of like, who is God kind of in the midst of it. And I think that's definitely where I default. I shouldn't say default. That's where I end up eventually because I can be frustrated or mad about the situation, whether it's with the person who maybe instigated me feeling the way I feel. Cause a lot of times if we're just honest, like these boil down to relationship issues with, with other people, like someone mistreats us and then we're like, well, and especially if they're a follower of Jesus, we're even more frustrated because it's like, well, you're supposed to be <laughs> living by a certain kind of code or morality. And yet you're treating me like this, or I very well could be the person doing that with somebody else and causing them the same thing. But whatever that stress or that um, conflict is, you know, we're, we're each people who have our own thoughts, our own decisions and our own will and, and all that. Like we're free. God's given us free will. Um, and so like, I can't change how someone else thinks or what they do to me. But the one thing I can fall back on is who we are in relation to God. And that's at least where I usually end up in sort of reframing the situation to realize that something broader is going on than just me in this moment or the other person or whoever else is involved in that situation at that moment. And so I have to recast or rethink or reframe that situation in light of that reality. Cause that is reality as much as the reality seems like everything just t- tumbled down or crumbled apart. And so that's, that's one way for sure that I tend to address this kind of a situation. Do you want to add further what your thoughts are? Uh, God, but what, how else do you approach it? That kind of situation. Well, kind of like, um, to add to what you were saying, I think you shared with the youth group one time that there's always two different perspectives that we can have, which is kind of getting to your, what you would call like the radical part of your personality about wanting to understand everything and to fix everything. But you you said once that it's, it's about understanding that either God is not present and active in a situation or like he's not present or he is. And we know that God is present. And there's a good reason for everything that he's doing. Um, so it's either, you know, you're fixing it yourself or you are entrusting the situation to God who you trust is already moving to fix the situation. So I think from the more personal sense, it's an awareness of, you know, like I mentioned before about knowing what God has done in the past, but it's also about being aware that God is in the present right now with us helping us to fix the issue. Um, as far as like other discouragement, cat hair, um, as far as other discouragement, um, like personal discouragement, if you, if you have a slip up or, you know, you've sinned against God or something like that, I think for me, what gets discouraging about maybe repeating some mistakes that, well, you know, this is never going to get better. This is not going to get fixed. Is God really working on me? Am I really changing you know, is that happening or should I just, you know, should I just live into this because this is what I'm so good at is, you know, failing and falling on my face. Well, there has never been a point in scriptural history where 
obedience earns God's grace. It's always God's grace and forgiveness that enables obedience. It's about understanding that he has already forgiven you, and it's in light of that forgiveness that we love him through obedience. I mean, I I think it says that in John's letters like about a million times, like literally a few, but hinted at a bunch that we love him because he first loved us. And I think that's what I have to get back in the mindset of. Like when I understand that I don't need to earn God's grace by not doing something or doing something else for a certain period of time, it's about understanding, well, no, just stand up, shake the dust off your feet and understand that you're forgiven and that God is still shaping you and working on you and that you're headed in the right direction. Yeah. When we were talking about this before we started recording, uh, the one verse that came to my mind is the words that, well, it's the exchange between Jesus and his disciples in John 6, where, make sure I'm telling you the context here, right? But it's basically following the section of scripture where Jesus talks about eating his body and drinking his blood and people are like, what in the world? And okay. like, like, okay, see you later. They take off and you get toward the end of that chapter and it's around 67, I think it is John six sixty seven, And so people have just left. I mean, a bunch of people were like following Jesus around, but like, here's where there's like a big exodus of people. And, um, actually verse 66 says from this time on, many of his disciples talking about Jesus disciples turned back. They no longer followed him. And then Jesus responds to the 12 who are still there. Do you want to leave also? And then Peter answers, Lord, who can, who can we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy one of God. I mean, his answer is kind of like, it's this isn't an ideal situation, at least from my perspective. But like, what else? I, I'm not sure where else I go from here. Like, what else is better? And that can sound like a very practical thing, but it shows the veracity or the truth of who Jesus is, who God is, His character, and then it shines over and above everyone or anything else. That no matter how bad a situation can get, even in the midst of following Jesus where there's nowhere else we would still turn to like, this is the best option we have and it's never going to change is essentially what I hear Peter saying. That'd be my modern day translation of that in my my words. Um, and so that, that sticks out in my mind. It's like, yeah, I can get frustrated, but like, this is still the best path I could be on. Do I understand why there's a bunch of messes and, discomfort that comes with still following Jesus. I mean, in a lot of ways, it shouldn't be surprising. Like we still live in a fallen world. Jesus hasn't come back and repaired everything. That process is like, has begun, like it's, it's in process, but it hasn't finished. And so I shouldn't be surprised when, and especially if people aren't following Jesus, like they're just going to do whatever they want. And a bunch of uh, crummy things are going to happen in, in the process. And I'm going to get caught in the wake of that a lot of times. And so I shouldn't be surprised that stuff happens like that, but it doesn't at the same time make you feel any better about it. Like, well, is this, is it worth it? I mean, it just the questions come up, like, is it worth it? Um, 
which makes me think to when Brett Siebel was here and talking about doubt and some of that kind of stuff. But, and I mean, even here you have like this followers of Jesus. I mean, the, the scripture, John captures people doubting who Jesus is and even the disciples processing like, well, this is how we're dealing with that. Like we have kind of, it seems like the, it seems like they feel the feels of the moment, but they're like, what else are we going to go do? Like, yeah. where else are we going to go? And that's, that's at least where I end up. I mean, it doesn't give a very specific what to do from there kind of thing, but that's very much where I would say I end up. And you mentioned earlier, I think about the kind of the idea about the, you know, or just the whole idea of like, ultimately it's not about us. And we were talking about this even before we started recording about how basically we can get very much sucked into like, we're the center of the story. And so like in a moment where like conflict comes or we're knocked down and we're like, is it worth it anymore? Like it, we get so focused on how we feel in our situation that like we become the center of the situ- the story. And it's not that there isn't something happening to me or to someone in that situation where there's a conflict or something bad happens, but ultimately in the broader scheme of things, we are not the thing that all of life revolves around. And we live in a lot bigger story as a, as a human being, but as followers of Jesus, we live within the broader um, work that God is doing in the world, his mission. It's not just the, the Jordan show or the Mitch show or the whoever show, we are part of that and we have a role to play within it and we get to participate in it. And there are some things that are very niched toward us and that like God truly does love me. He really is present with me. Like those things are very true, but they aren't the totality of reality. It's a part of reality. And so I have to remind myself like, yes, this is a horrible situation. I don't like that. It's like this. But it's also not the end all be all of what reality is. And yeah, I mean, this is where the no one likes to hear it in the moment of like where time heals a lot of wounds. Like, because when your time has passed and you can look back, you see things very differently. It doesn't mean that it still was like good that it happened, but you have a lot more to sort of see. You have a lot more perspective is really what, what comes out of it. Um, so that's that's one thing that. I would say I goes through my mind and, and how I process a moment like that as well. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of doubt, I think, I believe it's in second Peter where he quotes, um, the proverb, which says, you know, a dog returns to its vomit. Um, better for you to have never heard than to have heard and turned away kind of the, the idea. But I mean, for me, it's like my perspective, it's like, not literally, I'm not like devaluing my existence, but you know, like I'm a dog and it's like, what, it's kind of like what the disciple said, what else am I going to do? Am I going to go eat vomit (laughs) or it's like, or am I going to go back to my master who I know actually feeds me and takes cares of, takes care of me. Um, so yeah, I, that's just kind of what I think about. It's what you were saying earlier. It's just not worth going back to the old ways of life when, we know there's a reward for us at the end of all of this, you know, in the new Jerusalem. So one, one thing that I think I get caught up in sometimes is like my life of following Jesus is based, you know, it's formed by what I see in scripture and we see transformed lives. We see growth, we see maturity, we see 
the the good news or the things that draw us to a life in Jesus there. But then we can look at our life in a particular time or place, especially when something bad happens to be like, well, there can be the temptation of, well, God's not doing that now. Or like, why, why is, why does my situation not look like these, these redeemed situations in scripture? And it's a fair question, but I think we, it's, it has a lot more to probably do with our perspective because we very much read, I mean, we can read like, maybe 10 verses with it in scripture about a situation. And we're like, yeah, look what God did. And yes, God did it, but we fail to catch that that happened over more than just like the however many seconds it took me to read it. Yes. There was life that transpired over those 10 verses, just like it does in our life. And it, it could have been a day, a week, a month, multiple years. Like it's just encapsulating uh, the reality of something that happened, but it's not like giving every single detail. Like, well, you know, this conflict happened and then this person went home and had all these emotions and had to process all these different things. It doesn't give us all that detail. It shows us how the situation started, the, the conflict, and then how God intervened and transformed or redeemed the situation. And we see the, the final or the whole thing kind of from beginning to end. But in our situation, when we're in the midst of it, it's hard to see all those different things. And so it's, I think it's very tempting to be like, well, my situation is not like what I see in scripture. And it's like, the reality is we need to hang on and, and yeah. see how it's going to continue to play out. And I think this is where you see the themes of like perseverance, faithfulness, uh, just the idea of like, keep on like endurance it's not a just immediate thing that, that happens. And some of that's just the way our culture and our time and place and, and history has shaped and molded us to think of things happening like just instantly. Well, things need to play out <laughs> to a large degree still probably. And I mean, I think that's why humans have coined the term no end in sight. It's because you can't see it. <laughs> that's kind of the point. There, There's a lot of experiences to be had before things get resolved. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. So do you have any closing thoughts maybe to kind of wrap up this part of our conversation? Uh, no, I do not. Yeah. I think one thing I would just close with, with this topic is don't give up is maybe cliche as that is to say, but like, and maybe just to add in, like it's okay that the temptation happens to feel like you want to give up. Like, we're human, we're finite, we're not perfect people, we're limited. Like we need the help of God in our life, God's spirit to to pull us through situations like this and stick with it. Lean into God, uh, seek him, let him lead and guide you. And I mean, most of us don't know how things are going to play out and we only get to see that kind of after the fact, but it's because we're not God. <laughs> And we, and part of it's just realizing that, but yeah, I just want to say like, I get it. Tough things happen in life and there are things that tempt us to want to just give up on the whole thing, but stick with it. And I would just encourage you to ask the same thing or say, you know, go through the same process that the disciples went through. Like what's the alternative? What, what else are you going to give your life to? Is there, is there anything better? Like it may not seem ideal now, but is there anything better that's not going to have similar things with maybe even worse things that come with it? Um, so yeah, just hang in there. That'd be my encouragement.
we doing our one six eight debate? <laughs> so it's a food review this time. Some low hanging fruit. Food review. I know. Well, it's not a review. It's um, quote unquote fast food fry battle. Okay. <laughs> I know you've had both of these. What are better, <laughs> McDonald's fries or Five Guys fries? This should not seem like a hard thing. and It's tougher than you think. Because on one hand, like McDonald's fries are just, have become iconic. I, I almost feel horrible saying it that way. But like, so... there's a very, they have a very unique everything. I mean, all the way down to do they decompose, which is a whole nother issue. <laughs> but, um... Are they biodegradable? <laughs> if you've ever watched Super Size Me or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like I, flavor wise, like they're both good, but they're they're not the same at the same time. They're not the same kind of fry. Like they're not to me. They're not apples to apples in terms of like the flavor. They're very unique in that sense. Um, I don't know. I so I want to say probably McDonald's would probably be there, but Five Guys. I'll put it this way. Five guys are far more reheatable. Like if you're going to stick them in the oven, whereas McDonald's is like they're theirs is like very hard to ever like like chewing on a sponge. Well, (laughs) I mean, there's like the whole like, do you microwave it or do you like even in the oven or something? But either way, it's like a, it's like, it's, it's either it's hard as a rock at that point. Yeah. It's either a chip or a pillow. There's like no in between. So I would give it to, to five guys on that end. And they give you like, I mean, a bajillion. The, yeah. So there, there's that side of it too. But. And you know, like, you know exactly where the potatoes come from and all that kind of, <laughs> like, you know, that they're legit. Yeah. Um, the only thing, you know, I would actually say McDonald's um, as a preference because Five Guys has um, execution problems, I would say, with their fries sometimes. They're not always fried the same amount or the same temperature or something because sometimes you'll get them like super soggy sometimes you'll because they're softer fries they're meant to be more malleable fries but they're not supposed to be like that weird like almost like translucent fry you know what i mean like you can kind of almost see through them because they're so greasy the analyzing fries yeah. a lot closer but. um but yeah i mean mcdonald's are like the iconic shoestring fries which very rarely have i ever gotten mcdonald's fries that have been bad usually if they're bad it's because they're cold yeah if they're once they're cold it's like yeah but that's why you eat them first you got to eat the mcdonald's fries first while they're hot get extra salt it's good stuff i'm gonna order some right after that (laughs) (laughs) so we agree that's that's kind of what i take away from this yes If only more people in the world could agree. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope it's been encouraging and helped you to think about your relationship with God and how you follow Jesus, uh, not just on Sunday, but all days of the week. So thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. See you later, 168ers. Touchdown on paper, on Reddit. Touchdown on paper, unbreaded.